Welcome to FMH InsureCast, a podcast created by Farmers Mutual Hale, designed to deliver expertise and insights from trusted FMH team members and industry experts. Each new episode will dive into new products, industry updates, and innovative solutions. Let's get to today's topic. Well, hello, and welcome back to the FMH InsureCast. Today, we're well into harvest, and as production numbers come in, farmers may be wondering if they have a claim this year. So our main topic of the day is going to be harvest production claims and any tips and tricks that we have for you on those harvest production claims. My guest today is going to be Zach Alsup. He is the Assistant Vice President of the Field Claims Team. Zach, welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Uh, as Ryan mentioned, uh, my name is Zach Alsup. I'm the Assistant Vice President of Field Claims. So I am responsible for the field operations across the country for the crop division. I've been in that role for probably about two years. Uh, for the six years prior to that, I was the system vice president of internal claims, where I was responsible for the internal claims operations for the western half of the country. So I've uh, been able to work with some really great teams. And uh, outside of the claim side, I also work heavily in our systems and and pretty involved with some of our precision activities too. So I stay busy and get to work with, uh, like I said, some really great teams. Awesome. Well, we're excited to have you today. Um, well, today it's October 17th. Lots of corn and beans being harvested out there. Uh, wheat harvest should be done across the nation. Um, what are you hearing in your role as far as where harvest is gone? And are we ahead of schedule? Or are we behind schedule? And uh, what are you hearing in terms of yields out there? That's a big question. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the answer is kind of both when it comes to are we ahead or behind? And a lot of the Midwest, we are I would say on pace or ahead of schedule, especially with corn and beans, both. Um, when you get into those Great Lakes areas like Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, down into Kentucky, that area, they've received a little bit more rain uh, than uh, the Midwest per se. Uh, so they're sitting there maybe slightly behind on corn and probably right at average, maybe slightly behind on beans as well. Um, in general, uh, though, with your Midwest, Missouri, up through Minnesota, the Dakotas, even in Nebraska and Kansas, we're, we're plenty ahead of schedule on uh, both corn and beans. So uh, things are going pretty good on that side of things. It's dry out there, hearing about uh, some some fires that we're having out there. So just be careful if you're listening. Um, outside of that, uh, yields, definitely spotty. I mean, that's kind of the story, right, is uh, with, with some of these areas impacted by drought, you're seeing some spotty yields. Um, you know, you're still hearing a lot of talk around that at APH level. Uh, we'll talk, obviously, a little later of what that means. Um, but, but yeah, I think with those droughts that we had early on, we're, we're seeing some of that rear its head when it comes to yields, but, uh, in general harvest is like you said, well underway and, and probably ahead of, ahead of pace for, for most of our listeners here. Awesome. Uh, we were talking yesterday and then again, this morning, one of the other big theme, themes of the year is going to be price drop, right? So we are actually, I just looked at the calendar. We're 11 days into our pricing period for the month of October which for most of you is the uh, harvest pricing period for corn and soybeans. And uh, we are significantly lower than where we started in the spring for our prices. So could, talk to me about where we're at so far and um, how that might impact our claim situation for 2023. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it's it's definitely the story of the year right now. I mean, it started out early this year where people were talking about drought about a lot, right? But as we've entered fall, we are setting our harvest price or our fall price, as, as most of you probably know, we have our spring price, which is set as an average price in the month of February. Um, and then your fall price is set with the average price of October. And right now we're sitting approximately 17% under on corn and probably about a seven and a half percent drop on soybeans. 
Um, you know, when you look at those percentages, if you're if you're Yields are coming in around that APH level. You know, you can overcome a seven seven and a half percent drop on the beans. That's not too bad. Um, but where you're really looking at is that seventeen percent loss on the price of corn, and that's exactly why you buy revenue protection as an insured, right? Is to protect you for the highs and lows of price as well as yield. So even if we're talking about producers that are still producing their average that that APH, uh, they're still finding some of those depending on the coverage level they bought. They're still falling into a loss area. So. Uh, I do think that's going to create a lot of claims this year. Um, I think that the majority of them won't be necessarily large claims, but I do think claim volume will probably be fairly high this fall because of that price decline. Um, but I think that uh, you know we have the staff, we have the people, we're there. It's it's what we do. We'll we'll get through it and we'll work with them. So um, yeah, I think that's going to be that's it's going to be pretty hard to pick up on that price decline. I think you've got you got a few days left obviously 20 days or so to to still try to make up ground, but it's going to be tricky since it is an average to to pull that price up. Yeah, so I, I think uh, it's probably safe to say we're going to fall within a pretty tight range of where those prices are. It's 4.90 by the way right now on corn for your harvest price, 12.74 on beans, both of which are almost exactly a dollar under our uh, our spring prices. But you mentioned something about the value of the revenue protection policy. So I wanted to take a brief moment to just remind folks how that policy works and why a revenue protection policy really shines in a year like this versus just a yield only policy. Um, so first things first, just a reminder how you come up with that guarantee. It is your spring price times your APH times the level that you chose. So in 2023, that spring price on corn is 591. Take that times your APH and then the level that you chose. That dollar figure per acre is the number that you have to fall below in order to trigger a claim. And so uh, many of those guarantees were 800, 900, a thousand dollars for the 2023 season. And now to determine whether or not we fall below those levels, we just take your final yield and we multiply that times the fall price. Now, the biggest difference between those two is that we're multiplying your production times a fall price of 490, but to come up with your guarantee, we use the spring price of 591. And so that is a big difference, 17.5% was what uh, Zach mentioned earlier. And uh, essentially, if you fall below that guarantee, that difference becomes your claim payment. So if I did the math and my guarantee ended up being uh, $900, and then I took my final yield times the fall price of 490, and it ends up being 850. That's a $50 an acre payment that's coming from a revenue protection policy. If I have just a yield only policy, I don't get the benefit of multiplying my production times that lower fall price. And so you're much less likely to have a claim with a yield only policy. And that's the value of the revenue protection policy. So just wanted to remind folks of that. And then one other thing that plays into this is whether or not you chose optional or enterprise units. If we choose enterprise units, we're going to throw all of your acres in a bucket. You might have some that have exceeded your guarantee, some that have not, and we're going to add them together to determine if you have a claim or not. And whereas on an optional unit basis, we're going to look at each unit and see if each of those individual units fell under that guarantee or not. And the other units won't impact the potential claim payment that you would get from just a single unit. And so that's the difference in the, in the premium you see in the spring is that enterprise units requires more of a 
uh, area-wide loss or a farm-wide loss, whereas optional units could be, you know, this particular farm did not get as much rain as the others. And so long and short of it is we're going to trigger a lot of claims on that price. And uh, just as an example, I know that not everybody buys 85% level, but if you buy 85% level, it's possible your trigger for your yield is going to be higher than what your APH even was. So if I had an APH of 200, I might actually trigger a claim at 202, 203, 205 bushels per acre. And so just be very aware of that. Sometimes farmers have the mentality, well, I had to have some sort of a yield loss before I get a claim. Well, if I even have just an average year this year for 23, it's possible I still have a claim payment coming to me. So just wanted to uh, remind you all of that. And then one other quick side note, we talk a lot about ECO and SCO and margin protection on the podcast. Those are county-based plans. Those are all also impacted by this price drop. And those will, because they are such high-level coverages, likely to see a lot of claims paid on those three options as well. Just a reminder, you're not going to get those until next June, right? So that's not going to come out for most of you, corn and soybean-wise, until the middle of June in 2024. So with that aside, um, let's make the assumption that we have farmers out there that do have a claim. Zach, what is something uh, a farmer should take? What kind of steps should a farmer take uh, once they believe they have a claim? Yeah, and and great explanation of the RP. But I think you kind of hit on one of the elements when you mentioned uh, the trigger amount, right? So if you think you may have a loss, the first thing I, I would suggest you do is you reach out to your agent, um, visit with them. They have the ability to run a trigger report, trigger yield report. So what that means is basically they can run a report for your policy unit by unit be able to plug in the price they want to, and it's going to kick out at what yield you'll trigger into a loss. So then you know what that yield looks like as you harvest. If you think you're getting close, uh, I definitely suggest that if you're not sure or you're on that edge, just go ahead and turn the claim in. It's much better to have a timely claim submitted that we can work in and end up withdrawing if it's non-payable or, or you, you find out you don't have the loss, we can always withdraw that. Uh, that's a better situation than waiting to the very end or getting too late when it comes to submitting your claim and that we have to decide if we can accept it or not. So if you're in doubt, go ahead, reach out to your agent and uh, submit that loss. Um, if you're if you're not quite there and you keep continuing to harvest, and then later you say, you know what, I think I think we're getting close to probably that that trigger amount, or that trigger yield, then just go ahead and have that agent go ahead and turn it in. And I would also suggest, you know, when you're turning them in, if you're turning your corn claim in and you think you also may have a soybean one, if you're not sure, turn them both in. It's one claim number. Uh, get both crops submitted. Uh, just speed some things up in the end. And uh, we can work them both, or if we when we show up to your farm, if it's if you're not concerned about the one crop anymore, we'll just work the one. So, uh, no harm in uh, in submitting those uh, and then withdrawing them later if we're if we're not sure. If you're absolutely certain you had a bang out year on your yield and you're not concerned, then obviously then you don't need to submit it. But again, work with your agent; they uh, they can get you that information. They can run that report for you. They can help you out. And safe to say, and I don't I won't ask you to go through the full explanation, but safe to say. Uh, it's not something we want to sit on, right? There are some some deadlines eventually where it does become too late to turn in a claim. And so we want to be on top of what our numbers are and turn in that claim as soon as possible. Yep. That's, that's, that's kind of what I'm alluding to there with with the comment of it's better to be proactive than than sit and be late. So if you're not sure, like I said, reach out to that agent, get that trigger yield report if you can. Um, have that in your, you know, in your back pocket, if you will, and, and pay attention as you're, as you're harvesting out there, or if you already know where you're about, where you're landing on your yields, then start those conversations early get those losses turned in. 
uh, and then we can uh, reach out to you and start scheduling when we can meet with you to, to go over your records. So let's pick up right there. So uh, the agent's going to turn in a claim on behalf of the insured. The next thing that's going to happen, correct me if I'm wrong here, Zach, is we're going to get notice of that. And we, we ask our adjusters to try and reach out pretty soon after there's a uh, notice of loss that's been turned in. We assign adjusters to agencies so that um, they can have a, a, a certain amount of business that's assigned to them. And when those claims get turned in, we try and get out, try and get communication with the farmer within a couple of days, correct? Yeah. So we we, we try to to hold uh, up to the standard of 48 hours. Uh, within 48 hours, we're trying to reach out to you. If if it's in an extreme year, we may have the agent reach out to you on behalf of us to let you know we do have your claim. But for the most part, we're, we're trying to get a hold of everybody, let them know, hey, just so you know, I got your claim. This is kind of the claim load and, and start those early conversations with the with the insurer to to say, hey, you know, what are your expectations? What's your availability? Where are you at in the process? Um, are you ready for us? Um, you know, those types of conversations. So perfect. So they get the phone call, they as in the farmer gets the phone call from our adjuster, they set an appointment, what should the farmer have ready to go once they are uh, um, re getting ready to prepare for that visit with the adjuster? Yeah, I mean, the first the first thing, you know, if once you submit that claim, our adjuster gets that immediately. And so it's a matter of where they're at their work day, where they're at their workflow, when they're going to make that call. Again, we're looking to try to make that first contact with you within that 48 hours. Um, so with that being said is when you, when you have that conversation with your agent, you submit that loss, expect a phone call and it's probably not going to be from a phone number that's saved in your cell phone. Right. So, um, you know, my big ask is, you know, I, I know we don't like to answer phone calls anymore that, uh, aren't from numbers saved in our phones, but if you know, you have an agent or an adjuster calling you or trying to get a hold of you, please try to answer those calls. And if not, you know, respond to the message. Cause one of the biggest things you can do to help us out and to help yourself out is just have open communication with that adjuster. They're out there to try to find every penny that you deserve and 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 work that claim quickly and accurately and get you your money as soon as possible, right? So open communication with that adjuster will help. Um, you know, I would also say in that initial conversation, you know, again, discuss discuss your urgency for payment even. You know, if if you're one that really is is really wanting to get that money in your pocket as soon as possible, let them know and they'll they'll try to work with you as far as their availability and and their workload. Um, if you're one that's maybe not as concerned about getting your money right away and you're maybe even you prefer to receive it after the first of the year, you know, that's a common request we get. Um, they can, you know, we're going to have plenty of claims this year. We can, we can prioritize claims as need be. You know, if I, if you're the one that's not in a big hurry, we can put you toward the bottom of the pile. And if we're not getting there till December on your claim, we can even offer to hold the claim for up to 30 days for you. Uh, so we've got some flexibility there. So the big thing again is, don't avoid us to try to delay things. Just go ahead and work with the adjuster to, to set appropriate timelines and set your meetings. Um, once you have your meeting established, record keeping's king, uh, right? So you want to make sure you have your, your production all ready to go, have it separated by unit, make sure you're keeping the, the production separate. Um, I would say that if you're one that hauls, the, hauls your grain to town, one of the new things that we've offered this year, which is really handy for everybody involved, is if, if you can request your production records from that elevator, in a CSV file or an Excel format, um, our adjuster crews can import all that production straight into our system. So it's they don't have to sit there and key. So if in the years past, if you've had an adjuster sitting in their truck or on their hood of their truck, uh, plugging away on a, on a on their computer, or maybe sitting at your table for an hour, plugging tickets in, they don't need to do that if we have that in Excel. We can, we can consume all that data right into our claim system and it reduces down on keying errors, right? We don't have to type all those tickets in. So it's faster for us and more accurate for you. 
um, if you can get that in Excel format. So that's, again, that's fairly new for this year. Um, looking to get that information in there. I will say I have firsthand experience my first year on the job working for Farmers Mutual Hale. I probably punched in 10,000 tickets. <laughs> right? Right? That's a, it's <laughs> it a real so, thing. <laughs> it's not, it's, that's not a joke. That is probably very real. I probably punched in 10,000 tickets uh, in my first year, which was the fall of 2012. So I had plenty, mm-hmm. uh, you know, actually didn't have that much production to, to key <laughs> right. in. I just had a lot of farmers who had claims. Yeah. Um, but, Let's not uh, have another 2012. So agreed. I agreed. But yeah, so that's that's part of the record keeping is again just knowing where your production came from. Uh precision rolls right into that. If you're a precision farmer, you know, I'm sure you've heard a ton of conversations about precision on this podcast and as well as others. But you know, if you're out there in the country where you can keep your your irrigation separate, your irrigated, non-irrigated separate, precision's great for those record keeping. Uh if you if you record harvested data with your with your bubble on top, that's fantastic. The big thing there is make sure you have a calibration report. Um, and if you do, and you're within that 3% uh, tolerance, then we should be able to use that production information. That's a big time saver. If you have a policyholder center account, which I hope that all these listeners do, um, you know, not only can you pay your bill and set up ACH and things of that nature, but you can also submit your precision data through your policyholder center account. And if you do that, we can consume that right into our claim system. Again, have that already assigned to the units, uh, provided we have, you can upload your calibration report there as well. So the the adjuster truly can get all that information and have a lot of that ready to go when they show up for their visit. Most of it would be reviewing it with you and getting the signatures. So precision is a, a great time saver for both the adjuster and the insured. And again, it just results in getting paid timely. Uh, and when it comes to getting paid timely, you know, I, I mentioned ACH in that last comment. I mean, direct deposit, that's what that is, right? ACH is the ability to have the money wired straight into your bank account versus wait for a check. And I think most of us would probably agree that the the uh, postal system is probably not what it used to be as far as dependability and timeliness. Um, you know, everybody has their their issues, but that's one of those things that we've we've definitely seen an uptick in lost checks or delays and and checks getting to our folks. So I highly encourage folks to get into the policyholder center, sign up for ACH. Uh, they can reach out to their agent. Their agents have the ability to have them fill out the form to sign up for ACH as well. Uh, and it speed it just speeds the process up tremendously. Uh, when we process our claims at night. Um, you could potentially get the check or your money in your account that night, but typically it's the next morning, probably around 10 o'clock. It's really dependent on what time your bank uh, processes their incoming uh, direct deposits. Uh, but it's a great way to get your money faster. Now, I will throw out a caveat that if you have an assignment of indemnity on your policy, meaning that you, you typically it's with a lender, that you're one that gets a check and it has your name and the lender's name on it. So you have an assignment of indemnity there. Right now, we do not allow uh, an ACH deposit or direct deposit being made when you have an AOI on the account. We are in the process of programming that actually to allow us to. Uh, and what will happen once that's done is we'll be able to provide a form that the lender can go ahead and sign and say, yeah, go ahead and deposit the money wirelessly. And we'll just send the money in and then they settle up as need be. So it's a great way to get your money quicker, for sure. Lots of good information today. If I could highlight one thing, it is definitely that. You would not believe how many troubles we have with the mail right right <laughs> um whether the whether it's just delivered to the wrong person or it takes 10 days or whatever there are a lot of issues and we can relieve all of those through direct deposit so i really want to highlight that uh relieves a lot of headaches especially i mean you think about you know we're we're sitting here in the center of iowa right and we we have a nationwide footprint obviously mm-hmm. so when we start sending them to very rural areas, which, you know, guess what? That's where a lot of our, a lot of our customers are at, right? As in these rural areas, 
Uh, even if you send something two-day mail, it doesn't show up in two days anymore. So uh, yeah, it's a great way to speed that up. And it's just, it's more secure. It's not a big check sitting in your mailbox. You know, it's actually in the bank where it's safe. So uh, yeah, big plug for that and uh, highly encourage it. So Zach, uh, if you don't mind, can you give our listeners just kind of an idea? Once the uh, once the insured signs off on a claim, they're completed, it gets submitted to our office here. I know you've talked some numbers before. What's our typical turnaround time? Not saying everybody's going to be the same, but what's our typical turnaround time for a payment to be issued? Sure. So once you've signed off on that claim, that adjuster is going to upload it to the office for processing a payment. And there's a there's a round of I'd say auditing, if you will. I mean, right? We're gonna we're gonna make sure things look good on that claim and and try to make sure it's absolutely correct before we process it. Our goal as an internal claims team is to have any claim outside of a prevent plant claim turned around and out the door within three days. Prevent plant, we, we give our teams five days because they're more complex and it takes more time to just to go through it. Um, we consistently beat that turnaround time. Uh, years past, and I don't think we're tracking any different at all, would be less than two days turnaround time is, is the average. If you have a higher dollar claim where it's, you know, it's going to require some sign-offs from some different supervisors and whatnot, more people looking at it because it's a bigger dollar claim amount, um, you know, those tend to take a little longer. But the average claim is out the door with less than two days. Uh, and I think last time I looked, I want to say prevent plant was running around three days and change. So we're, we're quite prompt in getting that money turned around and out to you as soon as we possibly can. That's what we pride ourselves on. We've got a great team of analysts in the office that process that they work hand in hand with the, the adjuster staff, as well as our supervisors out in the field, if need be, they're great at prodding you if they're waiting for your sign off on a claim, but, uh, they do turn around pretty quick, but if you're concerned about a claim that's sitting out there or that you've, you've maybe signed off on and you want an update, there's kind of two different options there. One, you can go ahead and reach out to your agent. Your agent can jump into our system and see who the adjuster is, what their contact information is. Um, they can actually go in and look at what we refer to as the activity log, which has any activity that the adjuster has logged within that claim. They can see that and they can share that with you. Or you can call your adjuster. Your adjuster can give you an update or they'll call in the office and get an update and provide that back to you. If you don't have their number, again, reach out to the agent. They can get that phone number for you for that adjuster. So those are the two main components I would say is to communicate through your agent or your adjuster on getting claim updates on, on when you're getting paid. And I do want to throw one more thing out on that ACH that I kind of forgot was if you, um, if you do sign up for direct deposit through that ACH uh, functionality, you will still receive a proof of loss in the mail. So you still know the claim has been paid. You know the payable amount on each each one of your units. You can see all that summary of how that dollar amount was determined. All still gets mailed to you. So you still get that document, but yet you get your check a little faster uh, through the bank deposit. So I do want to throw that out as far as claim statuses. So Love fast money. Oh, buddy, right? Who doesn't? <laughs> um, Zach, I think we hit on a lot of stuff today. Um, but more than anything, I would just emphasize the direct deposit piece today. Uh, I think that's a that's going to make a lot of people happy. And then I would also emphasize that this price drop is going to bring in more claims than we typically see with the kind of yields that we're going to have this year. So yes, we're we're variable yields, but even some of those average ish yields are going to trigger claims this year, especially on corn. So be very aware of that as you're looking at your production numbers for 2023. Any last uh, last statements, closing statements from you, Zach? I would just say again, that open communication with your adjuster is key. Good record keeping will speed things up for you as well. 
and then again, if you can get, if you sign up for that direct deposit, I think you'll have a pleasant experience. Um, outside of that, stay safe out there in Harvest, and uh, and thank you all. Perfect. Thank you so much, Zach, and thank you to everybody listening today. If you have not already, please subscribe to the FMH InsureCast and tune in to us uh, next time. Thank you very much. You've been listening to FMH InsureCast. We appreciate you joining us today and would like to hear from you. If you have questions about today's topic or an idea to share for an upcoming podcast, you can contact us at fmhpodcast at fmh.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is intended for information purposes only. See policy provisions, terms, and conditions for details. Products underwritten by Farmers Mutual Hail Insurance Company of Iowa and its affiliates, West Des Moines, Iowa. Farmers Mutual Hail is an equal opportunity provider.